Welcome to the Community of Faith podcast, where you will hear the exposition of God's Word taught by Rev. Patrick Parham, pastor of Faith Community Fellowship in Bristol, Tennessee. If you are in the Bristol area and would like to visit, please join us for Sunday morning worship beginning at 10 a.m. If you're not able to join us in person, join us online. Visit our website, faith-cf.org. That's faith-cf.org. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash faithcommunityfellowshipbristol. That's all one word, Faith Community Fellowship Bristol. Here at Faith Community Fellowship, our goal is to ensure that what we do is edifying to our Heavenly Father. And we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Let's join Pastor Pat as he brings us God's Word. Beginning verse 27 of Mark chapter 11. Then they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one question. Then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Well, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people, for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, We do not know. Jesus answered and said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it and dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. They took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant, and at him they threw stones and wounded him in the head, sent him away shamefully treated. Again, he sent another, and him they killed, and many others beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and this inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hold of him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken a parable against them, so they left him and went away. Let's pray. Lord, as we continue this service and look into your word in these particular verses, there's so much truth here. So many principles that can help us in our walk with You. Then I ask that You would open our eyes and hearts that we might see some of the gems. That we might have the spiritual insight to know how to apply them. That we might grow closer to You. That we might 
see afresh your love for us that we might grow in our knowledge of you. Serve you more than we have before. I pray for us as your people that you would continue to dwell among us and continue to unite us together. Continue to let us be aware of your everlasting love. Continue to give us the ability to grow in our knowledge of you through the Scriptures. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now in chapter 11 there, what they're really doing is questioning his authority because of what he had previously done. You remember earlier in the chapter when he came into the temple and he drove out the money changers and he overturned the tables there and he wouldn't let anybody merchandise in the temple. He said, no, that's not what the house of God is for. It is a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. And so the religious leaders, Pharisees and the scribes, they come out and they begin to confront Jesus again because they didn't like what he did. That challenged their actions. It, it got into their income. It upset their pocketbooks. And they didn't like that. They didn't believe in His person. It challenged their authority. They rejected His teaching because it contradicted theirs in many ways. And they said, who gave you the authority? You see, Jesus had already answered that question years before. And several other times. We'll look at it a little bit later, but... One obvious place is over in John chapter 5. They already knew what his would tell them if he chose to answer them. They'd already heard the answer before. And so Jesus gives them a response and he asks them a question about John because he knew their heart. You see, these, these men were religious leaders, but they had never been born again. They weren't Christians. They had hearts of stone concerning spiritual things. He knew their hypocrisy. Oh yes, in the world's eyes, they were religious leaders, but in God's eyes, they were nothing more than the blind leading the blind. And He knew these things. and They wouldn't tell Him the answer about John because they said, well, whichever way we go, we're in trouble. It wasn't really that they didn't know. They knew where John's teaching came from. I mean, everybody considered him a prophet. They understood that. Uh, it was that they would not repent. They would not repent, so they tried evasion. Ever talk to somebody about Christianity? I remember talking to a young man, well, I don't know how old he was. He was younger than me, but anyway, up in Baltimore and he lived kind of behind the church on the side there. But you couldn't get him to come to church. I said, Bruce, why won't you come to church? And I began to talk to him and try to talk to him a little bit about the gospel. And he cut me off and he said, but I was full of contradictions. I said, well, just name me one. He couldn't do it. But he wouldn't come in the church house. He tried evasion. And that's what people do many times. It's really that, just like these individuals, 
they just don't want to face reality and repent of their sins. And so the Lord responded in the way that they deserved. Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. He wasn't going to say he didn't know because he did. He just didn't want to tell them right there again. You see, the religious leaders were the ones questioning Jesus, but they were wrong. They felt threatened and they were enemies of the Lord. They denied scriptural prophecy. They did not believe the Lord's teachings. They would not accept the evidence of His works. And that shows us if we want to apply it in our day and time that we must follow men's teaching only as far as they're following the Scripture. Because Scripture is the only infallible rule of faith and practice that we have. Another application we see here is that evidence alone and by itself isn't enough. These men had seen evidence in the works of our Lord. Either them personally or some of their comrades had seen Jesus work all kinds of miracles over three years, almost three and a half. They'd seen Him heal the sick. They'd seen Him give sight to the blind. They'd seen Him even raise the dead. But they did not believe. If they had believed, they would have submitted to His authority rather than questioning it. This is not to say that evidence isn't helpful. It's necessary, but there must also be a working of the Spirit for people to be saved and believe in Jesus. And their answer, as I was mentioning a little bit earlier, sadly, it, it reflected their refusal, not their lack of understanding. And many times today, when we witness to people, excuses are offered for not believing when in reality it's just that there isn't the will to submit. There isn't the will to submit. Pretended difficulties many times simply are disguises. And in those cases, the people of God, we need to be consistent in our testimony. Consistent in our prayer, show loving, sharing of Christ. And it might take a long period of time. And that's what is needed. Just keep loving and sharing. And then in verse 33, he said, Neither would I tell you. Jesus had already answered that question. And I mentioned John chapter 5. Let me just read there where this is, this is years before where he had answered the question. Verse 25 of John chapter 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live as the Father has life in Himself. He has granted the Son to have life in Himself and has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. He answered that question way back three years earlier and many times since. Testimony and evidence is were abundant. They just refused to believe. What a sad, sad, sad situation. Well, as we're coming to chapter 12, he begins to give a parable here, which is just a, a physical story to tell a spiritual truth. And the parable is somewhat loosely based. And if you look at it, it's, it's pretty closely based on Isaiah chapter 5. He's going back. And they would have been familiar with Isaiah chapter 5. They were familiar with the Scriptures. And he talks about this vineyard owner. What does the owner do? 
Well, he plants it. He protects it. He digs a place for the wine vat. He built a tower to watch over it. And he released the vine dress. In other words, the owner did everything that was necessary. Everything that was necessary to take care of the vineyard. And then he left and went into a far country. He owned it. The vineyard belonged to him. That's important. We need to understand that. He owned the vineyard. He did everything for it. He planted it. And then he leased it out. And a lease assumed some kind of a payment arrangement. And the vine dressers were aware of all that. They knew everything that had happened. The vineyard, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 7, was the nation or the house of Israel. And then the workers, they had some activities here in verses 3 through 8. And we read through those, how they abused the owner's servants. And that represents the Old Testament prophets. How some of them were killed and some of them were tortured and some of them were abused. And then you get down to verses 6 through 8 talking about the son of the vineyard owner. Obviously, he's talking about himself. He's talking about himself, the son of man, and what was going to happen to Jesus later that same week. The final rejection of the Messiah by his own people where it says in John 1 and verse 11, he came into his own and his own received him not. And so we have all of these particulars here. And then there is a response. What will the owner of the vineyard do? The response of the landowner, the vineyard owner, Israel was removed. It was in the process of being removed even as this was being spoken because they would not submit to the teachings of their Messiah. Ultimately, the nation was totally removed in A.D. 70. And the gospel was opened up to all the world, to all the Gentiles, and to whoever would come into a saving knowledge of Christ. And why? Why was this done? Verse 10 and 11, they rejected the chief cornerstone. They rejected it, meaning they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord's response is, the landowner's response is, I'm going to destroy this vineyard and open up another one. Because you have rejected the chief cornerstone. What was the response of the ones he was talking to? They sought to lay hold of him, they feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. They knew what he was saying was directly toward them, but they would not repent even with that knowledge. Now stay with me, I don't want to lose you, but the teaching of the chief cornerstone is foundational in the New Testament especially to understand how God builds and works in His church. You all know or are familiar with Ephesians 2, 19-22 where it talks about the apostles being the foundation of the church, the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone upon which the church is built. And so as he's building his church, it goes back to Old Testament teachings. Think of Isaiah 8, 
Verse 13 and 14. Let me just read that one. Let Him be your father, your fear. Let Him be your dread. He will be a sanctuary, but a stone is stumbling, a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The religious leaders, He's telling them, you have rejected the cornerstone. Now how do we apply that? What about in our lives? Are we striving to hallow Christ. In other words, set Him apart and work for Him as we serve Him. Are we reverencing Him in everything we do, just like I talked about there in Isaiah 8? Or do we dwell in Him? In other words, is He our personal sanctuary? Or you might think of Isaiah 28 and verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. You see, the religious leaders in this section here, they acted hastily. They turned their backs upon the Lord. They wouldn't listen to Him. They wouldn't believe in Him. But we don't have to do that. What about us? Are we building our lives on that sure foundation? Have we anchored our soul, as the old song used to say, in the haven of rest? Oh, you need to go this afternoon sometime and read First Peter chapter two, first ten verses. Oh, he talks about this cornerstone. He talks about us as being individual stones being built together for the great temple of God. He talks about how we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light and on and on it goes. You see, what privileges, what great privileges we have to build on that chief cornerstone. What great enjoyment we can have are we offering spiritual sacrifices to our king do we praise him for his mercy every day and take the message to them who are still walking in darkness and of course these verses right here in verse 10 and 11 he's quoting those isn't he he's quoting them from psalm 118 i'm gonna flip over there you might want to also. I don't know. Psalm 118. Because I'm going to read one first in addition to what he quoted. I want to tie these thoughts together. Remember, we've been talking about the chief cornerstone. These religious leaders, they looked the chief cornerstone right in the eye and said, we reject you. We don't want you. And so they were lost. But back in Psalm 118, which is where he was quoting from, verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. They couldn't stop the work of God. This was the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. And in verse 24, this is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And I know many times we've gone up and down different roads and saw in the Marquis of Churches, verse 24, this is the day which the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And it kind of brightens our outlook on that particular day. Maybe it causes us to forget about something that's happened to us earlier in the day. And we think, well, well I ought to be rejoicing because this is the day the Lord is letting me live and I can, and there's nothing wrong with that application. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But I want you to realize that in context, it's much larger than that. It's much larger than that. You see, when the 
chief cornerstone was rejected by Israel. The day of grace was opened up. Don't think of the day as a 24-hour period of time. It is the day of grace. And it was opened up and God began building His church. The day in which He is calling us as individual stones as it talks about over in 1 Peter chapter 2. And we build our lives on that solid foundation. We here who today are blessed to live in this day. To be a part of His building. To be one of the stones in the framework built upon the chief cornerstone. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Let's pray. Lord, what wonderful verses. Wonderful teaching is contained here. I ask that each one of us would again Examine our lives. Make sure that we are building on the sure foundation of the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Then I ask that each one of us would think again of the wonderful privilege it is that You have allowed us as individual Christians to be building stones in the house of God, which is the church. Help us to praise You every day, to thank You every day, to live in ways that are pleasing to You and testify to the world of Your love for us every day, to rejoice, because this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Pat, for another wonderful message from God's Word. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to Pastor Pat's message. If this has been a blessing to you, please like and follow this podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to support this ministry and the other ministry opportunities at Faith Community Fellowship, please visit our website, faith-cf.org support. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Community of Faith.